Hello everyone, I'm Kevin Miller and this is The Ziggler Show, where our goal is to inspire your true performance. In this episode, your behavior is explained by these four principles. So why do we do the things we do? Especially why do we so often not do the things we want to do and do what we don't want to do? Why do we intend to act one way, then get derailed and sabotage ourselves or a situation or a relationship? Well, I generally go to the reality of, you know, my own weakness and the appetite of my mind and flesh. Uh, But today I'm bringing you two guests whose research shows it's deeper than this. And we can get to the root and literally change our behaviors much more effectively. So Stephen Klemick is a corporate consultant and his wife, Mara Klemick, is a clinical psychologist. They put years of extensive research and data collection into what what they landed on four principles that explain the way, uh, the why behind our behaviors. And that they boil down to the issues of humility, love, pride, and fear. And from this, they have released a new book called Above the Line, Living and Leading with Heart. Uh, With a core message of understanding what motivators are happening in our heart so we can make effective choices to build our character and become the person we were designed to be. So I took the Heart Styles Indicator. It's an online assessment. I got my personal report. And we very, in this, during the show, we candidly walk through it and showcase where my personal values are and where my natural behaviors actually lie and the gulf between the two. And it showcased why I so often tire of performing, trying to cover the span between what I want to do and what I actually feel. And this is literal awareness and equipping. Uh, and it's a great opportunity uh, for the first people who hear this op- uh, this episode to take a Heart Styles indicator. It's only available to the people who purchased their new book, Above the Line. But for Ziegler listeners, I ask and they uh, they agreed to make it available immediately and at no cost. Uh, they're doing so for the month of uh, January 25th, 2020 to February 25th, 2020. So if you're listening during that time, go to heartstyles.com slash Ziegler and follow the instructions. Use the access code, listen to this, Ziegler 2020 all in caps. Okay. That'll give you access to this indicator and assessment that you can do, which you're going to want to after you hear the show. Uh, again, it's heartstyles.com slash Ziggler and use the access code Ziggler 2020 all in caps. Now, if you're listening after that, you can get that by buying the book or you can just get the book and get the value out of that. It's called above the line by Stephen and Mara Clemix. Uh, it's K L E M I C H. So, Hey, I'm going to bring you the Clemix and get into this right after I share some great products and services with you. Well, Stephen and Mara, I mean, from an overall, you know, 10,000 foot view here, I'll take it from that level. I mean, your focus is, well, as you say, why, you know, why is it so hard to stop repeating our ineffective behavior patterns? Why do we keep repeating them? Which to me feels like the holy grail of personal development. And I, you know, I think as I thought about that, my gut reaction is often, you know, well, I'm just, I'm weak. I'm lacking discipline and willpower to stay the course, but uh, it felt like a big focus of the book is that your research shows it's deeper and it's ultimately, it's not that I'm just so weak that I'm in some essence, I'm, I'm a little pre-programmed by the state of my heart. Is that a fair yes, yeah, that's, of description? That's fantastic. Okay. Yes. Okay. And you know, from that, we, we believe that the quality of one's life, the way they do life, the way they lead, parent, play sport, interact with others, comes from the attitude of the heart. So if the heart is is angry and frustrated, 
carrying all sorts of um, issues. Well, out of those issues of the heart, the, the mouth speaks. Behavior comes out of that. Yeah. And we can have a day. You know, someone can cut us off in the traffic, and we can get angry and frustrated with that. But what happens is we we feel it in the heart emotionally. We store the information in our brain. And these two things are interacting together to create our behavior. And that is the, the essence of where we're coming from, of understanding why do we do the things we do. And if we can understand the why, which we believe is driven from the heart, um, we, we've got a, a lot more information to be able to make change in our behavior. And that's what hooked me on your book, on your message was the why, which is the, you know, the root cause of that. And, you know, behavior is the ultimate outcome. So going to the root to figure that out again, that's why I came in onto it. And, you know, I tend to think of emotions and simply, you know, even as I read it in other uh, personal development and self-help books and resources, it can come off on, you know, the point is just to get control. And you, and if, if that was just the case, you would have the stoic person as the, you know, the top of the heap or the, the shaman on a pillow, totally at peace. And yet those aren't real life. That's not the real chaos of the world in the moment. And, you know, going back and, and understanding where I am so that when that crux, that crucible happens, I can then respond mm -hmm. appropriately. And the quote right out of the book yeah. is you say, we argue that the quality of our life flows from the attitudes of our heart. So, you know, talking about that attitudes, it brought me, would you, is it fair to even say with the attitudes of our hearts, the beliefs of our hearts as well? Yeah, definitely. And I think that that's, um, we over our lives um, create truths based on our experiences and those truths sometimes might be true in the, the scheme of things but for most of us as human beings my truth is not necessarily the truth and this is where a lot of uh, people's issues I know certainly mine are because I can be you know the great um, proponent of oh no this is very true because I believe it no yeah. matter what Stephen might be saying to me, right. especially Stephen, <laughs> at right. times. Right. <laughs> marriage, marriage moment there. Yeah, understood. Um, yeah, and so it's it's part of what we talk about is is being able to identify what is the difference. What what are my truths, my self limiting truths, particularly? So positive truths are a, are a good thing, obviously, because they build our character, they they build us as a person. But the issue really is is those truths that perhaps are self-limiting to ourselves and that they're really they're lies that we've constructed. And that right there. So let's jump in ahead, even in the, in some of the subject matter in the book and getting to that part of triggers, templates, and truths. And uh, I, again, I think this is quoted right out of the book. Our truth isn't really the truth. It's just what we've come uh, come to or decided to believe. And I think you said the story of my life, the story of my truth is not necessarily the truth. I, and yeah. I've been enamored That's right. right there, um, uh, Stephen and Mara, with that issue that is so, like so many good things, it's counterintuitive. Yeah. I, I, I think, I truly think, naturally think that I believe what I believe because it is the truth. I had this discussion with my family the other day, my kids ages, you know, seven to 25, and they inherently just, 
they gosh, they think what they believe is truth right. because it's it's truth. And yet, as you talk about, it is well. I, the truth of that is, it is perspective. But my gosh, that's hard to. That's a bit. That right there is a big acceptance. That's almost like a an epiphany. Yeah, that's that's and that's why we've spent the last thirty years in helping people find the why. So you know, I've, I, I've been told that I'm not good enough. Have I been told I'm not smart enough? I start to believe that, and that that can happen from early childhood. It can happen from yesterday. That that something happens that we can actually be told something or experience something that we believe is a truth. And if we start to believe that, we will manifest out of that belief. And the deep root of that, um, as we're saying, sits in the heart. And I think that, you know, one of the simple examples we give in the book is two people are walking through Central Park, New York, and a dog comes out and one person wants to defend themselves from the dog and gets very scared and, 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 and really nervous. And one person wants to pat the dog. Now, it's exactly the same situation. Right. But those two people are behaving completely differently. So what is their truth? What are their templates that they have from the past about dogs? What's their truth about dogs? And this is where one person might have been bitten by a dog when they were young. So their template is dogs bite. Their truth might be that all dogs bite. Yeah. And the other person might have been given a dog when they were five and growing up with dogs. And their truth, their template might be dogs are happy and all, all dogs are friendly. Yeah. Now, of course, neither of those are the truth because not every dog is friendly and not every dog bites. So when we're observing behavior of others or ourselves, this is where we go back to what are the triggers that, that trigger me? What are the templates that I've got? And am I believing a lie that I'm calling my truth? That right there, the template, I've not heard it put that way. I mean, we talk so much these days about the wiring of the brain and neuroplasticity. <laughs> and I, I, the template though is great. Even your one there of a dog. I mean, my template, my primary template uh, with a dog is as a a uh, 15 year professional cyclist is that that dog's coming out. Oh. To, oh, <laughs> the dog's no. coming out to get me. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, that's, and, and that's, uh, that's valid. It's an experience yeah. based, yes. based on a specific out, uh, circumstance that not a mm -hmm. lot of other people had Their mm. you know, their reality is dogs are great and friendly and nice and whatever. And where's the truth in that? And as you said, mm. there's, there's no truth. It reminds me of the matrix movie. There is no spoon, you know, it's what you, yeah. it's what <laughs> oh, you make. Way. We that. can really, yes. <laughs> could go somewhere with that one. Oh, it's <laughs> one of my favorite perspectives. And again, you do such a, a good job of outlining it, but I love, again, the focus on the heart. Cause as you talk about in the book, we relate so many of the things of our natural tendencies to the heart. But then this issue, you discuss how quickly our heart, our character can go from one side of the line to the other. And of course there's the title of the book above the line. Good. Mm. It can go from good to bad. Uh, I love that line that you put in there. Why does it so often feel like the best of me is at war with the worst of me? It reminded me of biblically it's Romans seven fifteen. I, I do what I uh, don't want to do and I don't do what I want to do. So this is the, this, <laughs> this is not a new issue, but the point no, of being no. aware of it is uh it's huge and again these well let me list out so you're you know your four topics just so people hear this uh courageous humility 
And I'll, I'll read your definitions, focusing on personal growth, growth driven love, focusing on growing others, then ego driven pride, focusing on self promoting and self limiting fear, focusing on self protecting. And just in the short time that I've been reviewing your book and studying it and thinking on it and dwelling on it and looking forward to this conversation, I'm now thinking through that filter. As mm, I great. interact and as my, you know, those people around me is where am I? And of course I want to get rid of the, the bottom ones and learn how to respond. But you're talking about being aware, then training ourselves in this method. And you have so many stories. I appreciate that. So that it, back to that thing in that crucible, in the moment that then I have trained appropriately over time so that boom, I can uh, well, talk about that a little bit. I mean, Zig Ziglar's, you know, uh, constantly known as talking about, we want to respond, not react, but there are those times when we want to train ourselves up. So then that moment we do have to react. Maybe we do, and we do it appropriately. And we don't have to take the long pause necessarily to respond. Cause that doesn't always work in the situation and yet. That's, that's where our training happens, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And I think I think part of that is also disciplining ourselves and allowing ourselves a bit of time because it, it can't happen overnight. Yeah. So, you know, it's firstly identifying what is really happening for us and um, understanding the patterns that we've had in the past. Because a lot of times I think for, um, and I've been a psychologist for 50 million years. <laughs> it feels like that sometimes, especially when Stephen says, we've been doing this for 30 years. Yeah. And I keep wanting to say, oh, I started when I was 12. I'm not that old. Yeah. Then I think, oh, actually, I am old now. I'm in my 50s. Um, sorry, getting off the topic. No, no, it's <laughs> but um, we as people sometimes don't actually see the patterns in our lives. We just sort of roll on through life. And I think our work over the years has helped people um, change their, not themselves, but cha- develop themselves into the, the, the closer to the best of the, the version yeah. of themselves, I guess, you know, can't always be, we're not perfect, never will be, but it's that process of becoming the person that I know I am in my uh, true core. And as I build my character, I get closer and closer to that uh, as, as the time goes on. But with that, I think people don't see the patterns. They don't see the relations between the, the, the relationships between the patterns. And when you actually start to see, oh, in those sorts of situations, it generally triggers me to go in what we call below the line, which yeah. is the um, the pride and the fear. Um, okay, so why is that? What is happening for me? What is happening in my heart? What is happening in my old memories and templates that get triggered that cause me to try to protect myself from this potential threat, like the dog with the bike. Yeah. And when do I repeat these patterns? So looking at the different situations that I might maybe think are, are totally different, but I can actually start to really look at them and say, oh, there's actually a bit of a thread running through that. So in understanding that that thread is about certain triggers that yeah. trigger certain templates that cause certain types of behaviour and thinking, I can then start to look at, oh, now I can start to be different I can operate differently I can respond here and as I get to know that I, I can move that quickly more quickly hmm. well, go ahead Stephen. yeah well it can be like six words can you come into my office so there's the stimulus and the situation and for some people can you come into my office is fine people say, oh great come into your office well, what do you want to have a chat based on their past experiences now 
you can say, can you come into my office? And immediately that stimulates fear in someone. It stimulates a higher authority. Am I in trouble? What have I done wrong? Why am I going to go in this office? And and it can, like, in, in a millisecond, create enormous amounts of thought process, but it can stimulate fear in the heart based on past experiences. So that's where our research, and it was uh, 18 years research of going into what are the four things that drive behavior? What are the, the, the two things that drive ineffective behavior we call below the line? Right. And what are the two main values that drive effective behavior, which, of course, we're calling above the line, the title of the book? And that's what you referred to. We start with self-limiting fear. Our DNA starts with fear. It's so easy to trigger fear. And we counteract that fear with ego-driven pride. And the behaviors that manifest from that, they work. They always have a good intention, but they're ineffective Mm -hmm. to build relationships, great culture and great leaders. Where the behaviors above the line come from and are driven by, as you said, this courageous humility. It takes a lot of courage to be humble, doesn't it? Yes. It takes a lot of courage to listen, to say that's a better idea than my idea and you've been working with the company for a couple of months. (laughs) Or, darling, your idea is a better idea. Oh, I like that. So this is courageous humility. And, you know, the people we admire the most on the planet have come from courageous humility and then growth-driven love, love for self, love for others. And love is where we're all heading to in this journey, to be loved, to be loved, to feel love. So the this is where the research, everyone was talking about behavior, and when we started to look at this many years ago, people were describing behavior and behavioral patterns and tendencies, but no one's gone mm-hmm. to the core and the root of what causes it. Yeah. Well, back to it, it, it. I don't know if you say this specifically in this way, but in the book, but you refer to what heart, the need for heart healing. You go back to the a shallow example of uh, me with dogs, you know, on a bike. I need to learn if I'm going to change that feeling uh, about a dog it's the it, it reminds me of the old i don't know if it's a psychological reference or whatever but the stick versus the snake you know you're going along a trail mm. and there's a a line of something is it a, is my first reaction that's a stick or is that a snake well it's, it's huge it it's just you know generally it's going to be a, a stick but what am i pre well you're talking to a nozzy here most of the time it's going to be a snake <laughs> <laughs> that's that's yeah, true that's true you know, I, I just saw a video this morning this is off uh, off topic of all the stuff of course it's happening there and the dust storms yes. and then uh, the hail that was bringing down birds yeah. and everything Crazy. you guys are are best off not, not to be there yeah. right yeah. now that's that's yeah, that's terrible mm. uh, that well, that's is, that creating is, templates for people i was gonna say that's a snake mm. right now yes uh, it's a snake yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah goodness gracious well you know you mentioned character and you made a statement that said our character is not our personality. And I actually, I literally did not read beyond that because I just wanted to, I, I wanted to hear it candidly right here to explain that because I thought about it. I thought, I'm not, I'm just, I, I need your help on that one. Characters are a person. I think, sure. I think, t- tend to think that we generally feel like our personality at least emanates from our character, but uh, mm-hmm. why you separated those? Tell me about it. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a good well, question. It's interesting. Cause we were, um, we were in Denver 
uh, last week and uh, we were talking to a bunch of people and they asked exactly the same question. Hmm. Um, personality profiles are hmm. fantastic. So you have your personality preference and there's there's loads of them out there and they're fantastic to be able to identify your personality preference. If you bring that personality into a stressful situation, into a situation that's putting you under pressure, do you have the character strength to stay above the line with that personality or does that personality drive you below the line? So let's say you're a very high-driven personality to create change and you're under pressure. Mm -hmm. There's a very, very strong chance. Under pressure, if your character is not strong, you will go into that pride quadrant and you will try and control and be competitive and make everything excellent. And it's all about me and I've got to drive results. And if we don't get this done, it's going to go south and it's going to be terrible. If you're a more passive type of personality, and you're under pressure, there's a very good chance without developing your character strength, you'll end up in the fear quadrant and you'll withdraw, you'll avoid, you'll be approval seeking and you will. your personality will push you below the line under pressure and under a stressful situation. Now, uh, living and leading above the line with heart is where we've strengthened our inner man. Our inner person has been stretched and strengthened, lengthened and lengthened. And we've learned how to develop the character strength under pressure to stay above the line, to stay in courageous humility and growth-driven love. And the interesting thing is that adversity strengthens us and suffering strengthens us. And as we talk about in, in the book, we find the gold within our heart, which strengthens our character and strengthens our heart. Given our different personalities, can we stay above the line? And that's how we define the difference between personality and character. And our tool is measuring your character strength. Yeah. You are listening to The Ziegler Show and my guests, Stephen and Mara Klemek, as we talk about heart styles. And next, we get literal and look at my personal heart styles indicator and walk through it in much candor so you can understand what we're talking about here and the value of it. And again, friends, just for Ziegler listeners, they're making the indicator assessment available without having to buy the book from January 25th, 2020 to February 25th, 2020. Go to heartstyles.com slash Ziegler follow the instructions, use the access code Ziggler 2020, all caps to get access to this assessment. Again, heartstyles.com slash Ziggler. Use the access code Ziggler 2020 in all caps. If you're listening after February 25th, 2020, then you can get it by buying the book, which I highly recommend. So we'll get right back into it with the clinics and heart style after I share some great products and services with you. Okay, well, let's go to the tool uh, because (laughs) right away on reading this, uh, the first thought is I read courageous humility, growth-driven love, ego-driven pride, self-limiting fear is, uh, of course, in my in my own narcissism is, oh my gosh, where do I fit? You know, what am I functioning out of? Which that's that's of course that's where we all want to go to understand where we are so that we can then rise above that. So of course I went and. and took the prof uh, took took the test there uh, uh, and, the indicator uh, the indicator thank you and i think you guys have that there and it goes let's see what is it page 11 that it mm-hmm. gives me my 
my graphs here. I'm going to go there uh, and I've got my, well, and first and talk about that. Now, personality profiles, which so many people are familiar with, let's take the disc profile. It's one I'm most familiar with. Sure. And that generally there's different versions of that. The one that I'm familiar with is the one that my, my father actually um, provides to people. And it is, it's a disc profile at, he, and he does that at 48 days.com folks, if you want to look at that. But he has, I think your results come back and you have your natural self mm -hmm. and your mm -hmm. modified self. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in here, the heart styles indicator, you have the benchmark indicator and the self score indicator. Start off by telling us the difference in those. Yeah, that's great. The, the, well, the benchmark said that the same questions apply. So what you needed, what you did was that you went online and you filled out the same questions. Yep but two different thinking versions. So the first one was, what would I like to be? What's my aspiration of who, how I behave, how I think and behave? And that's the benchmark. So it gives us something to aim for, the things that I value, that are all the positive things um, that I want to, to look like, to be. You then went on and answered the same questions, but this time thinking about how am I operating actually? Mm -hmm. And so when our nice computer then uh, puts, spits out the report, you get those two indicator graphs, one of which shows up your results on your benchmark of your aspiration or how I would like to be. And then the self, what you call the self-score indicator, which is your actual. And so mm -hmm. you look at each of those, but part of the things that you do look at is what are the differences, <laughs> if there are any. And for most people, of course, um, you know, our aspirational benchmark graph is going to indicate a graph is going to look slightly different if we're being honest with ourselves from what we might be, um, not, not in everything, but in some things that can show up some areas that, hmm, maybe I'm not as effective as I, as I think I am yeah. every day. And just to add to that, then if you look at the indicator, there are shaded zones. So when you have a bar in the shaded zone, it's a development opportunity. Right. If it's in the shaded zone, it's in the danger zone. <laughs> and that's where you go, okay, have I got a bar in the shaded zone? And above the line, of course, you want high bars. Yep. And below the line, you want low bars. Yep. There's no such thing as 100% and zero. There's no perfect person. So if you have a look at your benchmark, there are a couple even in your benchmark that are just in the shaded zone. Yeah. yeah. And that gives us an indication of how you're thinking because we might, as in, in your development, you'll start to change your thinking. And if you have a look in your actual in the below the line, there's quite a few in the shaded zone and, Above the line, there's something in the shaded zone. So what we find when people first do this, because we live in a world that lives below the line, the, 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 the world operates below the line. Our corporate world, our political world, it operates so below the line that, that it, it becomes normal. Mm -hmm. Well, it's very human, isn't it? Mm -hmm. it's very human. And even though there's very good intentions behind that, our research is showing that the people who live and lead with heart are living and leading above the line and the behaviours that they manifest, the behaviours that we see in people 
Um, and you've only got to sit in Starbucks and, and watch behaviour. You can, you can see it in others all over. I'll switch on your TV and you can just see behaviour. That's ineffective. And that's where we measured those behaviours and we've labelled them. Right. And what this then does is give people a challenge to say, if I was to do the benchmark again after reading the book or learning this wisdom and this philosophy, would I answer that benchmark differently? Mm-hmm. And most people say, yes. Now I've learned this, can I start to adjust my behaviour? Mm-hmm. And what? And so what? Why would I do that? What, what's the benefit in doing that? And if I want to be a more effective person, parent, leader, have better relationships, less stress, because those below-the-line behaviours create energy, they use up energy, and they create stress. Let let me ask about that energy, because as I look here on, what is this, page page 11, and look Mm -hmm. at my graphs right off the bat, uh, just for folks to know, my benchmark uh, in relation to my self-score there's some pretty big differences, which obviously says, well, I'm, I'm not uh, naturally at the point I would like to be. So hopefully maybe that's some self-awareness, but it also shows me I've, I have a lot to aspire to, or I do aspire to a lot more. But now if I look at some of the negative scores on the self-score indicator, if I look at pride and fear and look at how I, uh, you know, in, in answering naturally, I had some pretty um, I, I had some areas the, of improvement, uh, that I could be, but some, some bad areas. I thought about that. And I thought, you know, some, some people near me who I, I think if they saw this, they would say, gosh, Kevin, you don't quite, you don't act in that way. You don't behave that poorly as the, as the indicator would show. But my thought is, well, it's probably cause I'm modifying, which is taking energy, which is one of the reasons why I tend to get taxed in social situations. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm an introvert. I'm most at peace alone. And part of that is probably because I'm not having to perform. So here I am performing. So as long as I have this difference, I'm going to be, am I, am I tracking? Okay. You're, you're a very insightful you're man. Very insightful man. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that is, it's costing you energy. Yeah. Mm. We, our quick first question to each mm. other when we saw your results was how tired is he? Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. Well, so, you know, in that, uh, well, you know, so what would your, if, so if you're looking at this and you were going to make, so you, you already said that you, you gave some commentary <laughs> on this. When you look at this, is that one of your first thought is that I am spending energy because my, I'm having to behave, uh, in a way that's not natural. And obviously that gives me the motivation to try to bring that, bring my natural self up to that benchmark indicator. So I can be me, but I can be me at a, at a healthy level. Cause I'll tell you, that is a bit of a, a sticking point for me to some degree that we as humans, it's that old adage. Can I just be loved for who I am? Well, if who I naturally am is a jerk, then I think the answer is no, well, you know, maybe my mom will still love me. My wife might, but they're not going to like me a whole lot, uh, that I, I'm trying to get the natural me to be a healthier me. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I, Oh, I'm going to say something that's probably fairly controversial here. That's okay. I, I would strongly um, doubt that someone who's a real jerk is actually the natural person. Okay. Now, there are some people like that. I spent 18 years as an expert witness in murder trials in Australia. Oh. So <laughs> I've met a few people, but, uh, well, you could probably. 
say are not uh, the most um, effective people in the world. Right. That's not how we met, oh, Kevin, yes, by the way. <laughs> I wasn't going to go there. But. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for qualifying that, just in case people were wondering. <laughs> um, okay, so moving on. So here's my thought. Yep. These below-the-line styles... So just so that the, the listeners, before if they don't bother going on or not interested or just trying to imagine it in their minds, um, this four-quadrant model has eight above-the-line styles and eight below-the-line styles. Yeah. So you've got four in each quadrant. The, below, the eight below-the-line styles are coping strategies. And... So just bear with me here. They're coping strategies because they're based on a good intention. But when a good intention gets attached even to a smell of fear for a good reason, mm -hmm. positive reason, it flips us below the line. And so we're not then operating in our inverted commas natural real self. So I'll take a guess. My, my guess of reading this profile would, or this indicator, I should say, is that this person has a real value around doing things well and having excellence in their life. And it's a real motivator for that person. The way they go about it, though, is that they feel because of that, that desire to get things done well and to, to operate with integrity, with, with excellence, that drive has a fear attached to it saying that I, I must mm -hmm. do that, not just it's a really great idea, I must. And, and should. It, and should. And as soon as we get and into the must, oh, and the must and the should, and oh, dear, I've got a few of those in, in my head too, it flips us below the line. And so it actually drags down our authenticity of who we really are, our, our core self, because what we've done is we've put on a coat. Instead of operating out of our, our real, genuine self, our, our character, we've put the coat on of utilising other thinking and behaviour to achieve the same goal, right. and it's absolutely exhausting. That is, so I experienced that uh, more than once, but I came to a crux of that some years ago, and obviously I'm still working through that, but that's a literal, uh, something that I talk about openly with my wife. Part of my own oh, fantastic. therapy is, uh, in doing that and trying to do well, to do good. I'm doing that for, to feed myself image, mm -hmm. not to really be good, but to feed myself image. And I had some experiences of just coming to the end of that. It was, it was exhausting. I'll never forget the day it was out on my property and I was doing whatever it was. And I realized I, I, this is, I am not well. I am, I am coming to an end here. I am not, mm. I am not without limits. I am not uh, Superman. I'm not God. And I can't be responsible for, for, for all these, you know, all these things. And now the thought process that is getting more conscious, more of a, a response is whenever I'm doing X, Y, Z, and it's specifically for my wife or even my family, am I doing it out of a good heart? Am I doing it because I truly want to do this or am I doing it for the response that I want to feed myself, which I, I 
term usually appreciation. Am I doing this? Uh, even to the point of the other day, I took my wife's car. She needed something fixed on it. I did that, filled it up with gas, cleaned it, uh, did all these things. And I came in, I said, okay, honey, so you know all the things that I'm trying to do healthfully, not for appreciation. This one I did. Will you please come out and look at it? <laughs> Give me the appreciation I'm looking for. So we're, we're at least to that, to that joke, joking standpoint about it. But, but you're right. I mean, it, it's absolutely true. That is, I, I truly do want to do well, but I have come at it so often from an, an unhealthy standpoint. I want to care for others so that I am seen as a caring mm. person, not as the uh, self-centered person I, I naturally tend to think of myself as. And so I need, I need this, I need this response from other people to feed my, I guess that would be my fear. Would it? That's right. Yeah, the okay. appro- see on the, so on the approval seeking, right? The okay. approval yeah, seeking, approve. yeah. and that's yeah. where if you look at your results, you'll and you've been very um, authentic with yeah, yourself. Exactly. You, you've got some very good self awareness because you've been honest with yourself. So that avoiding and easily offended and approval is coming from fear. Okay. What if I say the wrong thing? Do I need the approval of others? Yes. And and, and if I don't, am I going to get offended because? someone's criticized me and, and or I've done things for them and they haven't noticed. Yeah. And then yeah. that drives you and, and I'll use your word to perform. Yeah. That's a good word. So when I say that you have, you have a belief that you need to perform, Kevin, what, what do you mean by that? Mm. Um, I was just sitting here as you're, as you're talking, you know, thinking of, I, I want to be thought of, like I said before, as caring. That, teams, that, that tends to be the vernacular, at least, that comes up in my mind because I am so fearful of being told by somebody that I am not, which is my core fear, that I am really not a, an authentically caring person because, again, I, I, my, uh, I tend to be very focused on my agenda, myself, my, and so I'm trying to offlay that as opposed to being, you know, finding that peace uh, with myself. And even mm. looking here at the graph, there's, you know, some, there, there's some of the areas here where I, I see on my benchmark indicator. So my desires on the control. So under pride controlling, it says 70%, uh, down here on my, on my self score indicator controlling is at 89%. Either way though, it's saying even my benchmark thoughts, apparently I agree with a controlling nature. <laughs> Is that, which and, is a little, yeah. cons, that's a little uh, concerning, isn't it? Well, it, it's, that's right. It, because you have a belief that I've got to perform. You have a fear if I get it wrong and if I come across as not caring. And the irony of all of that is controlling does come across as not caring. Yeah. Yeah. So it's now finding the gold in your heart because you've got a, a fear and, 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 that, that this is why we've got to go back to the heart of finding the gold in your heart of where you are a caring person. I am a caring person. Mm-hmm. Finding the gold of knowing that you know that deep within you. Otherwise, you will continue to live with the belief I have to perform that. Mm-hmm. And that's not your, you, you you're not living out of an authentic self, you're living out of a mask mm-hmm. self. And we need to demask ourselves. We have to have a Damascus demask ourselves to go, you know what? 
I am caring because look at your positive results. You're a very high achiever. You have got um, high transforming. You are on a journey to develop yourself. Look at that relating that's out of the shaded zone. Mm -hmm. So your heart's desire is to do well, to continue to develop yourself and to relate to others. And as you start to believe that, as you start to know that goal deep within your heart, you won't feel the need to perform. You won't feel the fear of I'm not caring because you'll start to live out of your the gold in your heart and your authentic self. Yeah. And that will change the way you think. Your mind will be renewed because of what's coming out of your heart because these two things work together. But until you can find the gold, you're just psyching yourself up. Yeah. And that psyching yourself up is costing you energy. Yeah. And yeah. this is the difference with heart style, living and leading with heart. If you can find the gold, because so many people have just been told they're not good enough. Or in, in your case, you've told yourself mm-hmm. that, that I've got to perform. You've told yourself that um, I'm not caring. I'm not a caring person. I have to be more caring. Find the gold in your heart, Kim, because it, it is absolutely there if you can look at your personal results and the gold that's in that. Because what we always do, we always look for the negative when we see yeah. an indicator. Mm-hmm. People go straight to the negative. Absolutely, yeah. And, and then we start beating ourselves up because we're not good enough. Yeah, It's just predictable, sequential human behavior. But in this, it's asking why. Why am I coming out of that fear? Why am I driving those ego-driven pride behaviors? And as Mara said, it always comes back to fear. Now let's find the gold and change the heart, which will shift the mind, which will shift the behavior. Yeah. This, so, so a question on this, to do this, to take this indicator and it seems a big point of it is even looking at the benchmark. You mentioned, I think, the word aspiration, that it does showcase uh, somewhat the level of your own, ins- your own aspiration, um, mm-hmm. how much you do. If somebody comes back with very low scores there, uh, I would say that, that's, that must be harder it must be harder to work with. Let's say for you guys working with somebody, if you're coaching, consulting, whatever with this, if that, if those scores are low, we know right there to start, or is that where you would start with then and mm-hmm. say, okay, first off, before we can deal with yeah. the natural, we've got to figure out how we can amp up your aspiration. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, it, the question is always what the benchmark brings out is what do you value? Okay. Okay. So it it might not be <laughs> the most positively effective thing for you, but it's what do you value? So we had someone recently, I had someone um, that I was coaching that had massive sarcastic high because one of our, <laughs> the pride ones, sorry to everyone that's just heard sarcasm is, is actually a below the line style, but <laughs> yeah. that's, another, that's not, probably another podcast, I think. Not, not a positive quality, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, well, you know. Um, and on their benchmark, very, very high sarcastic. And even though they had, you know, high um, styles in the, the, the above the line as well, but they had this thing around the, the sarcastic. And, and so in talking to them, until they can actually shift their value around sarcasm and what that's giving them and why, why they use it, 
um, very little is going to change in terms of, of how they're perceived by other people because uh, they have been perceived by other people as abrupt and sometimes very cutting and all that sort of stuff because their sarcasm is so strong. Right. So, yes, you're right. We, always, we look at the benchmark first and we see, firstly, you know, are you, what are you aspiring to and what are you valuing? Because that will certainly inform um, how you're going, what your journey will be like. Mm. And can I, just just adding to that, because we've just had a couple of incredible experiences. As I said, we're in the US the last couple of weeks and we're in a, an engineering firm in Dallas. When you've been brought up, the only way to get ahead is to push your way ahead. And the only way to, to do well is to control and beat other people and mm. have all this sarcastic behaviour to get along with your mates and all of that and and suck up to the boss and never upset the boss. And when, when you've learned to live a norm and you don't know any other way, the blindness of your heart and the, and, and, and the lack of, of understanding there is another way, for some people, that's just their only norm. And when they do the benchmark, Kevin, yeah, it comes out unhealthy. But within a day, within an hour, those people's mindsets can be completely changed because someone is showing you that there is another way of living mm -hmm. and another way of behaving that's not a norm. And to add that, we were in Russia just six weeks ago, and when you're in a, in a country like Russia where people have been oppressed and they see this, it sets them, them free. And what we say, it unblocks and unlocks hearts and it unblocks and unlocks mindsets. And overnight, people can look at their benchmark and go, oh, my goodness, there is another way of living, and I've been given permission to live that way in this organisation or this community. So, so overnight, their benchmark can change. And sometimes, you know, the, 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 the tougher it is for someone, the more change that we see instantly. When you, so on that, again, awareness, and you actually make a statement in the book saying love is our greatest need, rejection is our greatest fear, and we spend our lives seeking love and avoiding rejection. That statement alone uh, is worthy, I think, of being a tagline on the front of the book. Um, you, you also cite uh, somebody who I had not heard before, Rollo May, and you had the quote is, human freedom involves our capacity to pause between stimulus and response and in that pause to choose the one response towards which we wish to throw our weight. Uh, and again, I love that. It comes back to the Zig Ziglar, you know, responding versus reacting, but now talking about what we are, there's going to, there's some effort in that. There is some, I use the word performance, but there's some effort. There's some conscientious effort in doing that to realize, okay, I'm about to respond out of my fear of rejection, let's say mm -hmm. in that, and that is not the appropriate response. So uh, uh, react, that's my reaction. So I want to respond in a better way, but realizing going back to re realizing I have a, this fear of rejection, then you're calling us to, to, to go, I mean, then you get into deep water. Where mm -hmm. is the source of that? How deep do we need to go into that? How much awareness do I need to have on the core root of, of why I feel that or where that rejection came from, or is it to some level enough just to recognize that I am 
about to, uh, that my tendency is to respond that way and then just try to change it. Yeah. We, uh, well, I'll answer my bit. This is where we're very similar, but sometimes we can also be quite different. We're very complimentary. Yes, yes. Just, good, just as well after 25 years, we're still, <laughs> still getting there. Um, yes, dear. Yes, dear. That's right. That's, <laughs> that is the core. No, sorry, whoops, below the line sarcasm there. See how we put that in as, a, as one of the stars. Sure. Um, yeah. So I would say I'm, I'm in the coaching that I do, because I, I'm a, a clinical psychologist as well as a neuropsych, so I've spent a lot of years, you know, being very therapeutic, so I can go down as deep as you want, mm-hmm. you know, but there's also, I think there are, two, there are two ways, and I think both are valid depending on each individual. The first one is if you can work out um, the situations that generally trigger certain patterns and certain thinking in, in you, you don't necessarily, you can start at that point and you can actually start to understand the pattern and understand what happens for you and also start to build an alternative way of thinking and um, responding and behaving. That takes a while, but it does work for some people. Other people do want to find what the origins of those templates are and what the triggers are and why it's, it's happened. And so in that, that instance, yes, you, you try to go back and peel away all those layers of onions around what has happened to you in your life that has contributed to these defence and coping strategies. Right. Mm. So see what Stephen wants to say about that. Well, just I'll just share my story. Um, my dad died when I was one and you grow up fatherless. Um, then I was shoved off to a boarding school when I was nine and that wasn't a good experience. Um, I was dyslexic. Back in those days, it was never diagnosed. So in the third grade, I was taken up in front of the class probably with a good intention from the teacher saying that the more practice makes perfect. So put him up in front of the class to read in front of the class and the more he does it, the more confident he'll get. But, of course, that wasn't the experience. Uh, I couldn't read. The class would laugh at me. So you you end up um, having having this, this life that is uh, very dysfunctional, not believing in yourself, low self-esteem, telling yourself you can't read, you're not educated, you're hopeless at school, searching for someone to fill that void of the father void that was in my heart. And fortunately, when I was 19, uh, I applied for a job and they said that the only way you can get this job is if you read a book. And that was Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. And it's interesting that I'm on the Ziegler show because um, straight after that, I found Zig Ziegler. Now, I'm 19 years old. My life completely changed from reading that first book. First of all, I read it and I started to believe I can. And uh, someone we know very well said, whether you believe you can, whether you believe you can't, you're right. And Mm -hmm. that's Henry Ford. And that was quoted uh, by Zig many, many a time. And um, so sometimes you do need to go back to that place to say, where did that rejection come in? Well, there was a whole pattern of rejection in my life, and I lived out of the fear of that rejection. And how I compensated 
that was my ego-driven pride. I was going to be more competitive than anybody else. I was going to strive to be perfect because if I'm perfect, no one can criticize me and reject me. I'm going to be the funniest, smartest guy in the room. And that just led to more destruction until I realized what's driving this. So for some people, they, they, some people it, 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 they don't have to go that deep. But for someone like me, I found out deep within my heart what the voids were, the lack of, and what the, the wounds were, the attack on. And I was, had a father void. And I had an attack on with people laughing and rejecting at me and telling me that, I, that, that I'm hopeless and I'm no good at school. Um, and that when I was 19, and you know, my heart's desire is this book will help another 19-year-old flip their switch as well. Yeah. Um, or even a 49-year-old. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that's me, actually. Right you know what? It's so interesting as you share that story because some of the behaviors that I have always gravitated towards are very similar to yours, but from a very different perspective that wasn't one seemingly from a negative way. It was from doing well and being encouraged mm. for that mm-hmm, early mm-hmm. on. And mm-hmm. I embrace that as my self image and I do yeah. have to be the best. I do have to win. I do have to have uh, no limits, no excuses. Those all sound like good things. You know I mean? This is, this is yeah. motivation one oh one right here. This is yes. good stuff. And yet I embraced that and, 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 and became imprisoned ultimately by mm. that to where then I could not strive enough to be that good. It's impossible. Yeah. Um, how interesting to come from such dissimilar yeah. yes. backgrounds. Mm. Well, our research shows that if you're the, the child of a very high achieving parent, you often live with um, unsaid expectations. People put ex- expectations on themselves. If you talk to my two kids, <laughs> they, you know, my son's 40 this year and, uh, and my daughter's 37, and we've had to work through their stuff of having to live up to the expectations of their father that they think were said just by my driven behavior. Right. And, you know, they're born into a guy who, who from 19 on was just on this mission to be the best he could be. And when they're born, they're around this energy and, and feel they have to live up to that expectation, which is not the desire of, of any parent's yeah. heart yeah. to put that on. But just through your behavior and the way that you behave as, as a parent sometimes can put that expectation. That's, and then, that's of course, the child lives out of fear of not living up to that expectation. And what do they do? They get into all those striving, competitive, controlling behaviors to try and prove themselves. Or approval seeking. Too. And that's why we call it self-promote or self-protect. Yeah. I mean, there's so much, as you know, of our book and our model that we haven't talked about today, but we just what we've done is over 18 years put all of this into a framework and a language that people can read about and understand what's going on for themselves. Yeah. And of course, we, it's overused term, but to become the best version of ourselves, and that comes from the heart. That uh, your commentary right there, as a parent, I did come from a very high achieving uh, set of parents and, and father. And we have started to address this better in the last few years as I become mm. more aware of this with, uh, with my kids. But I, am, I, I wrote some notes as you're typing there that I'm going to talk with 
them all about that. Yeah, even the even the even the energy of just my own drivenness as unto myself, I see it sometimes motivate and, and, and on a good sense, the kids have talked about how it's inspiring and motivating. And yet there's a good amount of testimony too, to where it's just overwhelming, uh, yeah. to them. And so this is a discussion we just got to continue, uh, to have, and we're in a better place with it. As I've talked about my own propensity and unhealth that drives me to feel like I have to be Superman, but I'm obviously not and they've seen that too. And that's good. But to talk about it, I do find that as a parent right now, one of my superpowers feels like it's humility with my kids. Mm, and, wow. That's wonderful. Well, thanks yeah. for yeah. go. That is that, seriously, because that, that will change the trajectory of their lives. Mm. Oh, you, you know. I want to, I want to anchor here on, you know, what you said, what situations are triggers, being aware of that, what situations are triggers and then going further, if, if need be, or if, if desire is to find the origins of those triggers that to some degree, I mean, we're looking at this, especially if somebody takes the test and see where they are naturally uh, above or below the line and where their, you know, benchmark is their aspiration to be above and below the line. But then this question that you post of who or what has the power to pull you below the line. That's the thing that I want to know, because in some degrees it, that's convicting and it's almost, um, I don't know if this is the correct word to use, but the, the term shame comes up that I feel, what am I giving the power to, to pull me below the line? I don't want anything to have, obviously I'm a very controlling guy. I don't want anything to have the power to pull me, <laughs> to pull me below the line, whether it's my own fear, whether it's another person, whether it's a circumstance. Uh, I mean, that, that doesn't, I don't know anybody who would say, gosh, yeah, I want to give my power away. And yet you of course know we do that with, with blame, with fear, with, uh, pride that we give these, we, we give this power away. I, I love just that perspective that at the end of the day, if I got nothing else out of this book, out of your message, just to know that if I can be more cognizant of what are the things, the situations, the, um, the triggers, as you of course say, that generally pull me below the line, what am I going to do? So that stops happening. And I start living in my aspirational benchmark self. I mean, that right there feels uh, that may be the biggest, well, I don't know. It feels like that's the revelation that I'm looking for. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's fantastic. And when, when you can see it, I think it's also good just for your listeners to understand that there is positive pride. So if you look at our four quadrants, we call it the X factor. So positively, we're talking about ego-driven pride, but if you go diagonally across in the model, that ends you up in growth-driven love. So positive pride is growth-driven love. When you're proud of yourself because you know you've done a good job and you're proud of others, that's love. Ego-driven pride yeah. is where self-promote, prove, perform, pressure, 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 self-promote, all start with P, prove, perform, and that ego-driven pride is actually anchored in fear. Now, there's positive fear. Positive fear is courage. Courage is not the absence of fear. And this is where the diagonal of going, okay, I, I am feeling the fear. Now, the opposite to that is courageous humility. Hmm. And that's where people can make a shift from below the line to above the line. 
and just getting to understand how all of this works in our heart, in our head. And that's just a, a framework for your listener who's hearing us talk about pride, but we're talking about the negative pride right. and the negative fear. I know that with you know the acronym for fear, false expectations appearing real. Yeah. But the other one is face everything and rise. Face it. Face everything and rise above the line to courage and humility. So that um, that really has helped so many people as we've taught heart styles across the globe. We're very fortunate. We're writing a book about what we have done, not what we could do. Yeah. And this is where we've seen thousands of people. In 2019, we developed um, this in 131 countries. It's in 27 languages, the, the indicator. So this is, this is going across the globe because we're all people. Mm. It's a philosophy. Yeah. And, and it's all coming from our human DNA. And that's, that's another whole podcast of where we created this from because basically it was created from a revelation out of Genesis. But yeah. that's another discussion. Well, that's, that's, I, I love the root issue always. And, you know, on this again, I'm so grateful one for what your work does to help us be aware, but not stopping there, because I, I think we have so much in this, you know, personal development, self-help. We have a lot of things that help us be aware. It doesn't always tell us what to do once we are aware, even the, even the personality profiles that you mentioned, uh, great for awareness, doesn't always tell us what to do with that or how to leverage that in the next moment, in the next role, in the next responsibility uh, and, and connection with somebody. So I, I'm obviously a fan. Um, I'm so grateful. This is something I'm proud in a good way to bring to the Ziegler audience, to bring to my family. I mean, these are the root issues that is affecting my influence everywhere from the dinner table mm -hmm to those who are listening to this show that I'm, I'm honored that that's the case. But I, I, I'm, I know this book was a long time in coming and a heck of a lot of work. And I'm just grateful that you did it. And I'm grateful you've taken the time to sit and share deeper from it today. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you so much, Kevin. And we certainly hope that it helps your listeners uh, live, and lead live and lead with heart. <laughs> it will. It will. Thank you both. Thank you. Friends, I'm sure this has you pondering your heart style and tendencies and what's driving your behavior. So again, you can go find out. Uh, it's right now, it's free and immediate and literally available only here on the Ziggler Show to Ziggler listeners. Uh, if you will, it's, and it's only from January 25th, 2020 to February 25th, 2020. Go to heartstyles.com slash Ziggler. Uh, follow the instructions. Use the access code Ziggler2020. That's all caps. Ziggler2020 to get access to the indicator, to the assessment. Again, heartstyles.com slash Ziggler. Use the access code Ziggler2020, all in caps. If you're listening after February 25th, 2020, you can get access to it by buying the book Above the Line by Stephen and Mara Klemick. K-L-E-M-I-C-H. Well, coming up in episode 754... 
who has really helped you recognizing who has helped you. It's vitally important as it fosters the reality of how valuable help is and how much we need it and benefit from it. And what if you haven't received much positive help from others? How do you get it? Well, that's what we talk about in this episode. Uh, we start off by listening to a clip from Zig Ziglar on the dramatic influence of others investing in you and you and them. And then I posted this question to the Ziglar audience, name or tag someone who truly made a positive difference in your life. And please explain how they specifically helped you. Well, of course, many responses and Tom Ziegler and I talked through as many as we could and really expanded on the concept here and the value and need in our lives. Till then, folks, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together. <laughs>